Welcome to another episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. In today's episode, we continue down the road of understanding CMMC, its regulations, and controls. Up next is AC.L2-3.1.10. Use session lock with pattern hiding displays to prevent access and viewing of data after a period of an activity. We'll break down this control, what it means, why it matters, and how it impacts your organization's cybersecurity posture. We'll also provide practical insights and strategies for achieving compliance and securing your systems effectively. So whether you're a defense contractor aiming to win more contracts or simply someone interested in bolstering your cybersecurity knowledge, you're in the right place. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's do that again so it's cleaner. <laughs> no way. We should not we should not edit that out. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. So, as you heard, we're joined once again by Mike Frieder, president of OnCall Compliance Solutions and a CMMC professional assessor. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Roman. <laughs> oh, I got to take a minute. <laughs> so, Mike, today we're talking about screen timeouts specifically enabling screen timeouts and pattern lock displays to avoid someone else getting into your computer. Why is it important to have screen timeouts and pattern locks to avoid unauthorized access? Uh, great, great question. Um, and, and, you know, Roman, the interesting thing is this control for a long time, I looked at it and I go, you know, why does this really keep the machines, you know, more, more secure? And, and, you know, the truth of the matter is it does actually, uh, but not maybe in, in the sense that you're thinking of. A lot of people think of NIST SP-800-171 and DFARS compliance and, and all this stuff as uh, a way to secure the computer systems and information from an outside cyber attack. But they tend to forget about the concept that actually a lot of attacks, maybe even the majority of successful ones, come from the inside. And so, um, you know, a great example is like Edward Snowden, Snowden, you know, like that, that was an inside attack. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of our great massive information leaks have been insider attack. And so, you know, this is a really key control for controlling insider attack. When you use a session lock, uh, you know, what you're doing is you're saying, look, if I get up from the computer or if I, you know, the computer's idle for a certain number of minutes or whatever, what have you, you're gonna have a screensaver come on, but not just a screensaver, you're gonna have the actual session lock, and then you're gonna to have to unlock it in order to get back into the computer. And what that does is it stops the scenario of you walking away from a computer and then someone else, a coworker, you know, uh, an unescorted visitor, which there obviously shouldn't be, there's a control for that in NIST, but you know, it happens, all right? You can't tell me it doesn't happen. I'm in facilities all the time when it happens before they get our training. And, um, you know, they, they just hop on the computer. I got to tell you, a lot of times when I am at a facility and I'm, I'm doing, you know, the gap analysis for the first time, I walk around the facility. Manufacturing facility is the worst. I walk around, I hop on a computer and I just start looking around. Now, I don't, I, I don't do that very much anymore. Um, you know, we try very hard to kind of abide by our own internal code of ethics. We really have no business on a client network, but you know, it's just, it's, it, it is possible. And, you know, there's nothing really particularly wrong with that as long as you're being supervised by somebody. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not really super tasteful to do that. But the point is, it's really possible. I mean, it's just somebody gets up, they go to the bathroom, 
you know, they go to check on something in a machine, they go wherever, and a coworker hops on and starts copying files they shouldn't have, or they start, you know, installing software that shouldn't be there, or, you know, God only knows what they're doing with the machine. And that's the problem is you don't know what they may be doing with that machine. And that's really when it truly becomes dangerous. So, you know, the session lock is very important because, and so then the rest of it is, you know, uh, pattern hiding displays, right? So you can't, someone can't watch you type in a password over your shoulder. That's another aspect of it. And then, uh, and, the, and then the third part is preventing access and viewing of data after a period of inactivity. So they specifically define that it's idle time that they're after indicating, you know, pretty much that someone's not sitting at that machine, generally speaking. Um, so uh, I, I, again, I, th I think that, you know, when we're sort of beginning to go through this first control family, you know, the 3.1 control family, we're on control number 10 right now. And we're looking at, man, why does this happen? You know, why, what is the point of this control? Look, I don't think you're going to stop a hacker with, with this. Um, although it's, it is a good point, which is if a machine is left unlocked and someone has remote control software to it, and they're trying to wait till two in the morning when it's safe to go remote in there because no one's likely to be in front of the machine. Uh, if you have that session lock and they have remote access, they still can't get in with a password. So it provides a layer of security both inside and outside as well. But I think the real primary motivation here is probably the insider threat. Uh, and that's, again, we try to base it off by all time. Now, popular question is how long should we let it go? Well, the answer is, you know, the shortest amount of time possible, but every environment is different. So, you know, a good a good rule of thumb is uh, personally, I think, you know, in our company, you know, we're setting it to be something like five minutes. In an average company, their preference is more towards 15 minutes. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have it go like an hour. I mean, you know, again, that's just too big of a window for someone to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but hopefully that gives, you know, the audience just a little bit of an indication of what we think a, a good valid, um, you know, amount of time might be. Absolutely. You know, as, as you mentioned, without elements such as screen timeouts and pattern hiding displays, if you got up to leave your office, whether it be to use the bathroom, attend a meeting, step out to lunch or whatever it is, someone could walk into your office or walk by your computer, sit down at your computer and just and just like that, have, have access to your documents. What are the key assessment points that an assessor would look for in this one? Well, I'll tell you, on this one, there's there's three key assessment points that they're looking for. The first one is they want to determine if a period of inactivity after which the system initiates a session lock is defined. And where do you define that? You typically are defining that within group policy in a Windows system, but you know you may not be using a Windows system. You may be using Azure Gov and only accessing CUI through, let's say, an Office 365 GCC High account. Um, so your website may need to have some sort of a session timeout. Your banking site probably has a session timeout. If you're creating a custom program, you need to build this functionality in there. I think that's very important to understand for those who develop software. Um, any system that contains CUI has to have this in here. Now, when we're answering system security plans, typically, you know what, it's probably a Windows system that's holding the information. So that's you know the answer that we'll give today because I think it's pretty relevant. We'll say it's implemented via screen lock timeouts. Uh, group policy is going to dictate that uh, after 15 minutes of idle time, the screen will lock and require a password upon reentry. Now, um, usually that also will trigger a multi-factor authentication requirement, but that's not specifically required, required on this control. Uh, it is just simply a requirement to access CUI. So a better question that we'll address in another podcast is, 
Do you need MFA to also trigger on those session locks or can it just be on a computer restart? That's a really interesting topic, uh, but I'll, I'll skip over that for now. I'll kind of like leave the audience hanging a little bit, uh, you know, as much suspense as I can create about the topic of compliance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, but yeah, it's, it, I think, I think that's part of it. Now, second assessment point is determine if access to the system and viewing of data is prevented by initiating a session lock after the defined period of activity. So, you know, you want to make sure that there's some kind of a cover to the screen, you know, a screensaver, a blurring of the content. If you're, if you're custom developing something, some kind of splash screen needs to come up to block access. If someone is just walking by that screen. That I think is, is important to understand too, particularly if you're designing your own systems. Um, so again, we would just say, yes, policy is enforced and demonstrated. And that's, a, that's an over the shoulder look. We could have said something about, uh, you know, there's a screensaver that comes on that blocks your view of content. You can't, you know, enter anything until you unlock the computer. We could have gone into that level of detail, but, you know, our view of how to answer that control is look, if you're really assessing us, the best thing to do is, well, just come here and look at it. It's very easy to demonstrate this control. Uh, third assessment point is determine if previously visible information is concealed via a pattern hiding display after the defined period of activity. So what is a pattern hiding display? Uh, typically speaking, that's when you're entering a password and you know, you've got asterisks that are falling in uh, over your password as you're trying to type it in. Uh, but again, we also wanna make sure that there's some sort of a pattern hiding display that's blocking, um, you know, the content that you're that you've locked them out of. So again, keep that in mind that there's two elements. This one is it requires the password to get back in and look at and interact with whatever's there. But then the second part is that your view of that information is just simply blocked until you've uh, been able to, you know, get those uh, get get the password re-entered and basically re-authenticate yourself into the system. So those are the three assessment points. Absolutely, that's that's supremely valuable, but. Pattern lock for password entry seems like one of the simplest security measures one can employ. So there there may not be many challenges with with implementing this one, but can you think of any examples you've encountered during assessments or on sites where a lack of, of employing these measures caused a problem? You know, I, I think, well, yeah, I mean, for one thing, I think I we go to companies all the time who've never been through a gap analysis before with us. And um, this is a very common thing to be off. Um, you know, again, we're so busy trying to focus on endpoint protection and XDR this and MTR that. And um, they, they kind of get something like CrowdStrike or they get a Sophos XDR solution in place. And then they go, okay, all right, I'm, it's network secure, I'm good. And then they don't go back and focus on what are the basic fundamental group policies they're going to enforce security at the rudimentary level. Again, I would tell you that I think insider threat is so underappreciated in terms of risk. People really don't know that, that it's real. And the most dangerous thing is it's, it's the easiest one to slip under the radar. So, uh, you know, what do I see? You know, one, engineering... Engineering and quality control offices constantly have the situation where they don't have a screensaver popping on. I think that's wrong. I think that um, it's obviously a violation of compliance and there's no excuse for it. If an engineer has got a sensitive drawing up on the screen, I don't care if you work with it every day. And maybe that's part of the challenge is that these people are working with these sensitive drawings all day long, every day. And they don't really appreciate the fact that, you know, these are like what they're designing is the sensitive intel that our enemies would love to have. Um, 
they just don't put these screensavers in place. Um, you know, lab environments, while you can do an enduring exception for the lab environments, um, there's no real reason that they can't do that. Um, there's a particular solution out there that I'm very fond of called Gatekeeper. Uh, I really like this solution a lot, and it is a proximity-based multi-factor authentication tool. And if you can, you can go to their website, gkaccess.com. No, I don't have an affiliate link. I don't do that stuff. Um, uh, if they want to sponsor this podcast, I'd love for that to happen. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, Gatekeeper is a great solution. We use Duo at our company, but we recommend Gatekeeper a lot in manufacturing because what it allows for a company to do is instead of the time and frustration of having someone have their own cell phone to unlock a computer, um, they just have a proximity sensor. You walk up to the computer, the proximity is sensed by a USB device, and then the computer magically unlocks, and it also saves you from Windows login time. That is a great solution in a manufacturing environment and will cut out the need to not have screen savers come on and screen locks time out. Um, I just, I'm such a big fan of that solution um, that I really kind of at this point in time don't see that there is a real excuse for not having a solution like that in place. I just really have substantial appreciation for it. You know, medical, in fact, has got a better grip on how to solve this than manufacturing does. You go to a hospital, they take a proximity card, they swipe it through the keyboard or into a reader, and then the computer unlocks, pulls up their profile, and they go to work. Why, if medical can do it, all right, and you can't tell me a doctor is not like the busiest person in the world, at least any doctor will tell you that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if, if the docs can do it, why can't the manufacturing people on the floor do it? And, it? and it gives them that individually identifiable access and it solves for a bunch of controls. And I don't know, it just solves for all the hacking. You can't get into it without without a proximity card. It's, it's just, I don't know. To me, I think those are really great solutions. So um, yeah, great question. And I mean, boy, there's, you know, we see it all the time. I think the other case is so many times the IT person will not have the screensaver turned on on the server. This is like notorious, right? Because maybe they have a console in their office or maybe they are used to going into the data center or maybe they're just really small and that server sits in their office. Who knows what the reason is, doesn't matter. Uh, but you know, my, my fellow IT people out there, you have got to do this on the servers. Servers should not be exempt from group policy. Um, Every time I see that, I just scratch my head. I'm like, hey, why is it unlinked here? Why don't you have this policy enforced here? Because here's the here's the bad thing about that, right? If you get an exposure on a remote, um, classic example, the Kaseya hack that happened a year or two ago, they had hundreds and hundreds of commercial clients that got exposed through the remote access software used to provide IT support remotely. Well, man, if the screen lock isn't coming on, that means that the second that they penetrate the remote access software, there's no more password needed because the screen is logged in on that server. And boy, what a mistake that is. I, I just, you know, security is all about layers. You have to have the layers. And if you don't have the layers, then you're not secure and, and the effects can be absolutely devastating. So I, um, you know, I, I just generally think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of cases that we've seen where this control is pivotal in just providing that extra layer of security that absolutely will make the difference between a successful attack and a not successful attack. Great question. And, and you know, a couple of really great examples to kind of call that out.
Absolutely. And and before we jump to our final uh, silly question, for, for all our listeners and viewers out there, Mike mentioned Edward Snowden earlier in the episode. Uh, there was a movie made about about Snowden back in 2016 starring uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. If you haven't seen it, it's a really good movie. You should check it out. Um, <laughs> and that brings us to our final question. As you know, on this podcast, we like to keep things light after what can be a particularly dry uh topic as compliance we like to keep things light so we we finish it off with a silly question and today's i gotta say is pretty good if you ask me so mike when we talk about um pattern hiding technology and doing all that kind of thing usually the most popular uh, password pattern when you're using that is a star or an asterisk so couldn't couldn't you just out outsmart any potential onlookers by by making your password star 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 you absolutely could, but then you wouldn't be hiding the pattern. <laughs> but, but that yeah. brings up a yes. But then you could use like like reverse psychology and be like, you you think you have to guess, but you actually don't. I'm telling you what the password is, but because it is in the style of the pattern that you're expecting, you're going to automatically guess wrong stuff. You know, I'll go with it, that. It's kind um, of a it's kind of a reverse <laughs> psychology thing. Yeah, um, you know that's kind of like what's the most popular password? It's the word password, and don't do don't don't be that person. <laughs> don't, be, don't like yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, just don't be that person. Um, hey, you know it, it does bring up a really good point though, and there's a control for this later, which is another thing is don't write your password on a sticky note and go stick it to the bottom of your keyboard or like leave it around your desktop. Um, I see that as much less of a problem than it used to be. But believe me, it's still there, especially not trying to call anybody out. But if you're if your job title starts with chief or vice or uh, perhaps general counsel, you, you may be susceptible to this. Uh, don't don't leave your password around. All right. There's cleaning crews. There's subordinates. There's just uh, an infinite number of people who are going and coming from your office. Probably um, it's just kind of one of those things. Also. Uh, if you've ever kind of looked at this requirement um, and thought to myself, my system doesn't have this, well, you need to implement it. But two is you can also customize that screen. Uh, so you can you can do some customization there. So that's always kind of a hint as well. Um, but uh, yes, don't make your password something very obvious to guess. I promise there are great tools out there like John the Ripper and password cracking tools that will sniff that out in seconds. I was gonna say, you know, you could have you could have the 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 best password in the game. Uh, there are plenty of of password generators that help you um, that help you generate a a difficult to guess password and a random password all over the place. But in, in my mind, putting your great password on a sticky note on your computer is infinitely worse than making your password password because at least at least then it's not just out there in front of everybody. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I think, um, you know, I've kind of seen it all, but, you know, the really dangerous thing is if you leave your password written down and exposed, then the reality is at that point, you have no idea who has, uh, who has had access to it. So if you're, if you're one of those people who has done that, uh, today's a really good day to reset your password, <laughs> which pretty much any day that ends in A is a good day to reset your password. <laughs> <laughs> you mean a y a not the letter a because that would be none of them 
That's right. That's right. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and that wraps up another insightful episode of Mission Compliance. We always like when we can laugh on this podcast, and we've gotten a good, we, we've gotten a few good laughs in on this one. Uh, we hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to thank Mike for joining us, giving us a few laughs, and just giving us that valuable, valuable information about, about security and passwords and all of that. Thanks, Mike. Absolutely, Roman. Always a pleasure. But the conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you, we encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you haven't already, what should they do, Mike? Well, they should like, they should subscribe, and uh, you know what? Tell your buddies about it. There you go, because if you do all that, you'll be the first to know when new episodes like this one are released. And we'd truly appreciate if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us to continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Just like what you heard here today, we are firing on all cylinders. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.